Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to the Nonsense Dialogues. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nonsense Dialogues. Hello listeners, welcome to episode four of the Nonsense Dialogues, where we once again address the perennial question, is leadership training a total waste of time and money? This episode will do things a little differently in that we'll split this episode into parts A and part B. Part A is thankfully only about 23 minutes long and where, as usual, we talk about everything that's wrong with leadership training and development. In part B, we thought we'd try something a little different and actually suggest some different and better ways to develop leadership and followership. Our sponsor for this episode is the MBN, and we'd like to thank them for aiding our psychological health and well-being by providing us with regular and frequent break periods from the internet. Leadership training is a total waste of time and money. Companies and governments spend billions of dollars each year on leadership development programs, but what have we got in return? If you look at the kind of data that you get, people have never been less trusting of their leaders, according to things like the Edelman Trust Barometer. Multi-factor productivity in Western economies continues to slow down, according to the World Bank. And we're seeing more and more corporate scandals, uh, chief executives and boards of directors getting into trouble time after time. So all the kind of KPIs you might want to put down to leadership don't seem to be actually working terribly well, despite the billions we are spending. So what have we been thinking about leadership? Are we doing it all wrong? Uh, In this podcast, I think what we need to have a discussion about is whether we continue uh, to explore how we go about doing things or even if we continue to explore whether leadership makes sense at all. So today I thought what we could do is take a critical look at the effectiveness of leadership training programs and question whether they're actually truly worth the time and money that organisations invest in them. We we may also consider the alternative approaches to leadership development, the focus on the broader system and the kind of a more collaborative and supportive organisational culture that might build that kind of trust and productivity that we're looking for. So, um, David, you've spent years, decades, doing corporate leadership development programs. What's your experience been? Is it it right? Is leadership training a waste of time and money? Paid me for those 40 years, uh, don't think it is. (laughs) Um, or maybe they do after they've uh, finished the course with me. But no, it's look. There's there's a wide range of different activities um, that you get involved in uh, if you're undertaking leadership experience, uh, leadership development, and that you engage in if you're providing it. And it's it's very similar to just every other training program that you do in corporate land in that they assume there's a known set of capabilities, knowledge, skills, uh, and behaviours that are associated with doing what's on the banner of the program. And then you specifically train for those things. So depend a lot on what model or what we understand leadership to be. We believe that it's really about the individual. Some variant on the great man theory or the great man model of leadership in that better people make better leaders. Then 
uh, there's a lot of self-awareness and, uh, to use a phrase that you just love, uh, self-actualization. How to be the best that we can be, Randall. Um, so there's a so, lot of yeah. feedback and thinking about who we are, what are our strengths, what do we bring here. Um, there's also a whole bunch of coaches who work in the leadership space who basically do therapy. But it's it's all around developing the individual. And and I remember an exercise I, I did at the, the Big Green, Big Four uh, firm where all the people in HR had uh, a corporate day. And one of the exercises was to put, put yourself on a continuum as to how much you believe leadership is just about the individual or, yep. or it's more around the collective. And I was astounded that most people were on the individual, including the part yep. change of leadership development who was right at, who put herself right at the far end. Yep. Um, so a lot of people still believe that it is leadership is about the individual. You know, it's very you get persuasive. Yep. Incredible and charismatic like Elon Musk, and that guy makes a difference. Um, yep. because he's a fully rounded and actualized human being. One presumes. But well, he just said the other day that he's moved from being a moderate Democrat to being a moderate Republican. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a moderately well-evolved he's, he's obviously growing. human being. Um, so anyway, uh, get away from the specific. So a lot of the programs are around um, doing psych tests, again, something you love, um, giving feedback to that, reflecting about who am I, what do I believe in, um, what kind of leader do I want to be? What do I want to create with my leadership? And it's very much about the person. Almost what a load of narcissistic shite. What a really <laughs> popular. It's it's it is. It's as you say, narcissists it's like love it. And and who yeah. doesn't mind? Who, who doesn't like that? And so it is very much about that. Almost in isolation. the The thing that people would say though is that that same kind of approach where is is not so much about who you are but more what you do so that's probably a, a, so the um, what I describe what you described as fluffing is really um, more about the individual and increasing the quality of the person their self-awareness yep. Yep. whereas a more capability based approach so it's more consistent with regular learning and development practices is a capability one. What are the skills, knowledge, experience, maybe beliefs, but certainly behaviours that distinguish effective leaders from ineffective ones? And so I think what knowing I that in our organisation, we're going to train people to do those things. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, and look, I think all of that is a really, really good way of making money um, as a consultant. I, I, I think one of the things is that it, leadership training, and we, we kind of talked about this in our last episode, mm. is how leadership is has been intensely individualistic in its very nature. And a large part of that is because m much of our understanding of leadership in corporate world has come out of places like 
uh, Harvard and Yale and uh, Yale in particular uh, in the human relations movement, the California style human potential movements had a big impact on it. You know, this mm-hmm. transformational leadership came out of the kind of Stanford of the 1970s, um, the turn on, tune in, drop out. It's, it's all about this idea of personal growth and the assumption being that the more fully realized human beings are, the better leaders that they'll make. But there's absolutely no evidence that that's the case. There is very little evidence that leadership development programs and uh, as well produce better leaders and, and result in improved organizational performance. There's some, but not a great deal. I think there's enough, and you see this across a lot of areas, there's enough of a kernel of truth in those statements for people to believe in them. Because I think... Yeah, a, a really sick and person who, who is narciss- yeah, clinically narcissistic um, will make a really poor leader. And I think uh, it, it does help you make better, less narcissistic, more for the, the general good decisions if you don't have a raging personality disorder. Um, so I think it does help. It, it does help. It's not the whole thing, but it, it is helpful if you are self-aware, if you do know your own biases, and if you are more of a good person rather than, a say, a bad person. Um, so I think there's enough truth in this for people to follow along with it. It kind of makes sense, which is where yeah, a but lot making of marketing sense and being truthful and- is not... Not the same thing, is it, no, really? Okay. You know, we, we, we know yeah. that for a fact. And this is the idea of good rhetoric. And if you think about um, the what you've just talked about, you'd have to say, okay, well, if, if there's enough sense, mm. then there should be a consistent and, and coherent model around this, that we should have the same sort of an approach over and over again, and we should be seeing the results. And we're not. And I, I really like Barbara Kellerman, the Harvard Business School, um, academic who wrote in a book called um, The End of Leadership. She wrote, for all the large sums of money invested in the leadership industry and for all the large amounts of time spent on teaching leadership, learning leadership and studying leadership, there is scant objective evidence to confirm that this massive, expensive 30-year-plus effort has paid off. As a whole, she says, the leadership industry is self-satisfied, self-perpetuating and poorly policed. And she goes on to say, in spite of the widespread disappointment in and distrust of leaders in the society at large, and despite the seismic changes in culture and technology, there's been little change to the prevailing paradigm of learning how to leave. No significant attempt to reimagine the model or to adjust to an era in which leadership is less about refining the individual and more about reimagining the collective. No obvious progress in formulating a fundamental, coherent curriculum sequenced in demonstrably proven, sensible and successful way and no thought given to instruction on following when following wisely and well is manifestly as important as leading wisely and well. Okay, so a long quote, but I think she encapsulates the whole argument pretty much in in that long paragraph. It just it isn't working and it hasn't really been reviewed in that 30 years. We keep doing the same thing time after time think, in organisations, no, hoping, for, hoping for something different. I don't think it's fair to say it hasn't been reviewed because lots of people from David Day and a bunch of other academics 
do review the efficacy of leadership training. Um, the trouble is, though, I'm, I'm not sure, but, but they're usually working within one of the conventional models, and I would suspect it's, it's a capability-based uh, model. Uh, in that there are things that we can measure that distinguish effective leaders from ineffective ones. And mostly being psychologists, they will probably end up and saying, okay, it's behavioural, good leaders do things differently to bad leaders, uh, and then we look at what what capabilities do people need in order to, or what uh, what produces those particular behaviours. And that was something so, I yeah, did so like about the, trans, the actual uh, uh, uh full-range leadership or the transformational leadership model. It was very behavioural and you could specify exactly what it is um, that more effective leaders, and they did validate it reasonably well, um, did compared to leaders whose... Uh, organisational units were not as effective in terms of achieving their uh, goals. So so a couple, a couple of things uh, you've just said yep. there. I think that uh, firstly is I think Barbara Kellerman is reflecting on the leadership industry in general rather than talking yes. about academics. And, and you know, I did, during my PhD, reviewed all the kind of work that has reviewed mm. and specifically the, the social identity approach to leadership, which is really yeah. kind of a, a step change in the way we understand leadership in organisations. Mm. So she's primarily, I think, talking about the way it's being conducted in corporations. And I think a large part of that it goes to the, the kind of the romance of leadership, which I'll come back to in a second. Yep. But the second thing to, to actually there is this idea that there is, a, from a psychologist's point of view, it's behavioural. I don't know that that's necessarily true either. I think psychologists have come up with a whole bunch of motives uh, around leadership. Um, but the idea is, is that, that you're talking about is that to be effective, leaders need to actually um, have a set or a repertoire of behaviours. But we also know that that doesn't necessarily work, that there is not a set or repertoire of behaviours that can consistently be applied because leadership is contextual. And what it needs to happen in leadership is that you need to be able to adapt contextually to the group interests, uh, the, the, the interests of the followers that you lead within the particular situation that you're leading them. And a, and a good example of that is in the research into leadership in crisis situations. So if you look at the, 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 the leadership literature on this, it says that when people are in crisis, when they, they think they're going to lose their lives if something doesn't happen, mm -hmm. um, where there's an existential threat, they look for leaders to give them direction and structure. That's primary two things they're looking for. Tell me mm -hmm. what to do, uh, where to go and how to go. But what we also know from all the research is that they don't just follow any leader's direction and structure. They tend to follow their leader's direction and structure. In other words, the relationship that's been built up with a particular individual within a group set setting is critically important to how people might follow a leader in a crisis situation. So it's, it's, it can't be just a repertoire of behaviours. It's got to no. be understood contextually. No, I think that's right. And most of the, re the validating research in the transformational model, or the Bastobolio one, um, was really around organisations undergoing change. And even then, 
the research found that it was contextual. So this model seemed to produce better organisational results for organisations that were, were in a position where they needed to change to survive. And the leaders who did these transformational things, um, their organisational units, whatever it was, performed better than the ones who just did transactional as opposed to transformational leadership behaviours or transactional is basically management, uh, business as usual. So even then it's saying, okay, in this situation, in a corporate change setting, these behaviours seem to be more successful. But if it's just business as usual and it's just maintaining the status quo, those um, those behaviours just get in the way and distract people from churning out the same product day after day. It's it's less efficient. Um, so are you in an efficiency-driven business and context or are you in a dynamic where you need to be much more agile and, uh, and uh, change-worthy and change-capable? And I think this is one of the complications is that usual answer that a psychologist uh, or, or any professional will give to any question is, well, it depends. And I think yep. that's one that's one of the great confounders in uh, leadership uh, research and practice is that complicated. And one, one model, necessarily, in all situations, examples, or the complications. And I think that... It, it kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, requiring a more systems or contextually aware to what works and what doesn't. Therefore, how do you develop that capacity? So I completely agree with you about the transformational leadership. And there's a really good body of research from this very old theory of leadership now. It goes back to the 1970s in his work that leadership has an important collective dimension uh, and that successful mm-hmm. leadership involves getting people to do something for the group and not just for themselves. But the, the trouble is, is that the focus in his work and in the whole transfer, the multi-factor leadership model really actually falls back onto almost purely on the nature of the leader about this, the charismatic aspects. This idea that if there is one great person, one person who's got the right kind of stuff um, that will make the rest of us um, follow it, just doesn't seem to be the case. There is doesn't seem to be any kind of supporting information. And do, do the other think, aspect of it think, is it oh, kind of supports yeah. the romance. It supports the romance of leadership that we have. It supports the idea. It's a, it's so seductive to think that this great person is going to come along. The Messiah is going to come along and save us all from this, as Max Weber said, the long polar night of authority. So this comes back to the essence of where we have been until now, what is leadership? Because we've got to understand and agree on a model of leadership about what it is and how does it have its effect if we're going to then decide to be able to develop it somehow. Isn't that true? Yeah. So what we do depends upon what we think it is. And if we're going to be evidence-based, this is a leading question, by the way, boys and girls, what do you think is the... Uh, leadership model that has the most empirically validated evidence to date, Randall? I think we've got off the, top of the path here. We, we've got to get back to the idea of 
um, of development and leadership development. We've done theory already. We can we can go back to it. Yeah. But as we discussed in our last episode, the, there's little evidence that transformational CEO superstars actually generate positive results. And there's plenty of uh, papers out there. We can put some of those up on our website for that. But the, so- the, the rise of the superstar leader kind of does help us solve a bit of a contemporary organisational theory puzzle, which is why are we seeing CEO pay status, which we talked about in our first episode, uh, in the face of reduced autonomy generated by increased st- uh, stakeholder mm. pressure and competition. kind of helps to explain that. And, and I, I mentioned James Mendel's groundbreaking work before in, in the romance of leadership stuff, uh, mm. research. What he did was he... he Challenged the commonly held, his research challenged the commonly held belief that leaders are key drivers of organizational success. Instead, what his uh, research argued is that the perception of leadership is as a romanticized and heroic endeavor, which is deeply ingrained into our cultural beliefs, uh, even though it has little empirical support. Mendel kind of argued that the focus on individual leaders distracts from the more systemic factors that contribute to organizational success or failure, which includes organisational structure, culture, strategy, the skills and efforts of all the members of the organisation, not just those in leadership positions. So in that kind of idea, doing leadership development, which is just focused on the leaders, seems kind of nonsensical. Is all this leading us towards giving us clues that what is actually happening is perhaps the direct opposite? And that it's not leadership that's important. It's it's either everything, everywhere, all at once, or is it the um, is it the systems approach? Is it uh, not so much the leaders, but everyone else? So that was part A, where once again we slag the work of everyone else doing leadership development. In part B. Uh, NBN Willing, uh, we'll get back to you with some ideas of our own about uh, what might work better than the same old rubbish that everyone else has been serving up. 